Good morning, indeed. All right. Let me get this iPad to cooperate with me here. Stop telling me that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. You are the one that teaches us about who the Father is. And Father, we know that you are here right now. And you draw near to us. You're with us. You've been speaking to us. You've been speaking to us about who you are. You've been speaking to us how much you want us, how much you love us, how much you are willing to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. You are a great God. You are a great Father. We pray, Lord, that you will come and fill this room with a sense of awe, a sense of revelation like we've never had. I pray, Lord, you will indeed do over and above through the word of God, through your word, your spoken word, your God-breathed life will come. Lord, we will not just be hearers, but we will be receivers to receive all that you want to say to us. We will let it go in deep and it will change us in Jesus' name. Today we're talking about the nearness of the Father. Everything we've been saying, everything we have been communicating about the Father, this is absolutely central. Understanding God as our Father. Do you realize Christianity or the beliefs of Christianity is the only religion in the world that identifies God as Father. You won't get the Muslims to do that. You won't get the Buddhists to do that. You won't get anyone to do that. They will not do that. But we get to do that because we understand that in the beginning, this is the way it was. That God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth and it was in the beginning that he took and he shaped man and he formed him and shaped him and created him in his own image. Male and female, he created them to be like him. Not to be him, we can never be him, but we are like him. And it was that day, in the beginning, if you really want to understand something, you go to the Genesis 1, Genesis 3, to understand the beginnings, that in the beginning, he was father. He was father because he created you. Our creation comes from our father. Even, even in biology, even in the natural, your biology came from your father. Your blood runs with your father's blood. So this is pivotal 
to understand how important it is about our Father. So today I hope that through, even through our message today, that you will feel closer and believe in closer to the Father. That maybe you can reject of some of your old perceptions, your old thoughts, your old ideas that you have received even from your own natural father that we somehow believe our heavenly father is just like him and he's not. Your father is near. So let's talk about this today. Even in the beginning, like I said, that... Think about it. He created him and they walked every day. Adam and Eve walked every day in the garden and they had fellowship with him. Not as their creator, even though he was, but as their father. Their father always communicates a deep relationship. And I can tell you, if we were to identify the saddest day, the most heartbreaking day that God ever had. Do you ever think about a bad day for God? Well, here's a bad day for God. Here's a bad day for our Father. The saddest day was that day that Adam and Eve believed the lie of another that rejected what he said and accepted what someone else said and they received it, and it was a lie, and they partook of that fruit, and we know what happened, don't we? But it also, what it did was, sin came into the world, but also separation and isolation from the Father happened that day. That was God's saddest day. It grieved Him. It was, the one of the, it was just the most heartbreaking time. If you think about the heart of the Father, when you look through the filters of Scripture, look through it from the heart of a father, of how he would feel. Well, that's the way he felt. Because I'm telling you, those are the, probably those words when, the, when God spoke to Adam and Eve after they hid from him and he went looking for them and he said what? Three words, where are you? Heartbreaking words. Where are they? Did you ever lose a child? Did you ever lose a loved one? And you don't know where they are? And what do you do? You go through yelling, where are you? Where are you? A lot of pain there. But in the beginning, God wanted and is our Father. Look at some of the scriptures. Jeremiah 3, 19. This is God. This is God speaking. I looked forward to you calling me Father. John 16, 27, Jesus said it. Jesus said the Father himself loves you. He was trying to convey to them. I know you guys, you, you know I love you. But you know your Father loves you. That's why he was going to send Jesus to the cross. We talk about the love of Jesus, but the love of the Father sent Jesus to the cross. 
because he wants to be with us so much because that is his cry and heart is to be near. Paul said in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 16, God speaks there and says, I will live in them and walk with them and I will be their father. So the saddest day, of course, was there in Genesis. Then it's later on through the life of Jesus that Jesus conveys to us the most joyful, happy day that the Father has. Here's what a good day looks like. Here's what an awesome day looks like. Here's what the most joyful, celebration, party-going kind of day looks like. When he gave us the story in Luke 15 about the prodigal son. And he conveys there the story of the father and his prodigal son. The happiest day is the return. The return of the separated, alienated son. Luke 15, 24. Look what it, he said. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. I think our Father wants a reason to party every single day. If it's for this reason. This is the reason He wants to party. It's for you and me, for everyone out there that's hiding out, that's separated. Because we're talking about a Father who is near all the time. Listen, the Father is near all the time. He really is. It's you who have separated. It's, it's what I do. It's not what He does. But look what it says about Him. That we know that the Father, when that prodigal was out there feeding pigs, and He said, I'll, you know... I'm going to return to my father. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to be like one of his servants. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn this around so he comes back home. And we see there that the father sees him coming in the distance. You know what that says to me? The father never left him. His heart was always there. He wasn't sure exactly where he was but his father was near in his heart, in his thoughts, in his occupation. He was obsessed. He was occupied totally, completely with the separation of his son and when he would come home. So he sees him. And then it says that he ran to him. The father's always looking for you. The Father is always eager to be with you. When it says that the Father ran to him, and the Father embraced him and kissed him. <laughs> he kissed him. That's, that's called familiarity right there. Right? We're talking intimate. We're talking close. And then it says that he honored him, right? He threw the party. You know what that says? It says that the past is gone. He still has a place. 
God always has a place for you. And that's at the Father's table. Because He's always near. So what does the Father's nearness mean? What does it mean to you? You know what it means to me? You think of our Father. He knows everything about you. Because He is. He's your Creator. He knows you better than you know yourself. And of course, nothing communicates that more, more intimately and more closely, more accurately than Psalm 139. We're going to go to that scripture. It's going to be on the slide. It's actually in three different thoughts, three different paragraphs here. David, King David, he's writing this. But you know, David wasn't smart enough to write this. He, he, didn't, he didn't even write this. I know we'll say, well, David wrote Psalm 130. Yes, yes, it was by his hand. But it was through revelation of the Holy Spirit. Revelation that came from God himself. God breathed Psalm 139 to reveal to you and us, you and me, to reveal to us how much the Father really knows us. How intimately acquainted He is with all of our ways, both past, present, and future. Let's look at this, 1 through 6, verse 1 through 6. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I'm pausing because I'm <laughs> I look at this and I think even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. That, do you ever think about the nearness of the Father to what you say? Do you ever think about the attention the Father gives to what you say? We are a fickled group. Did you know that? We are a very fickled group. Because we can, we can spout off a swear word and go, Oh! Sorry, God. Because you believe he heard your swear word. Don't you? Huh? Don't you believe he heard it? But then you come on Sunday and do a prayer. I'm not sure he's hearing my prayer. He only hears the bad stuff. 
He only hears the stuff that he wants to get me for. But God hears everything. There is nothing mysterious of you to him at all. There is no mystery. That's why I pause there. Because God searches us and he does know us and he knows everything about us before we even know that about us. And he knows what you're going to pray before you pray. And he knows what you're going to be a bonehead about and say something stupid before you say it. He knows you that well and yet he stays near and he loves you. And he graces you. Verse 7 to 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where can I escape? Is there any place I can go that God is not there? Is there anything you can go through in life that God is not there? I'm not talking about your perceptions. I'm not talking about your beliefs. Oh, I know, there will be times when you can't imagine where God is. Where is He? God is saying, where are you? And you're saying to God, where are you? Well, I'm here. I'm always here. Because we also believe and know that God is, we say, the nature of God is omnipresent. We... <laughs> Do we really believe that? Well, if he's omnipresent, then there, David had the revelation, and he wrote it well, that where can I go from you? Where shall I flee from your presence? Because if I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, huh, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, I don't even know if David ever went in the ocean. But he knew by the Spirit how vast it was. But he said, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. In other words, nothing can blind God. Nothing can shadow God. Verses 13 to 16, for you formed my inward parts. Now he's getting really personal. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book, God, you have a book. And in that book, you wrote something. You wrote my days. You wrote my days that were formed for me 
even before there were any days lived out. Yeah, I changed it a little bit up there. You're reading it. So he knows you so well. The nearness of the Father to understand how near and to believe that he is close to you is to understand how well he knows you. So I say it happened all the way back in the beginning and you wonder, what is the problem with the world? What is it the root problem of our world? We'll say, we'll say things like this. It's sin. Of course it's sin. But the consequence of sin, what is the consequence of sin? Separation from God. Where God is no longer near to that person because that person has separated themselves through, their, through sin and disobedience, rebellion. So what is at the root? I'll tell you what's at the root of our, of our world problems. We all have separation anxiety. Everybody suffers from... I mean, that's a big coin phrase with... Especially if you're a dog owner. That's what they talk about, your dog. You'd leave your dog in the kennel and, you know, he'll, he'll bite his feet or, or, you know, he'll do circles in the cage. He'll, he'll do all kinds of weird stuff. He'll mutilate himself. He'll, do, he'll go to the bathroom or he won't go to the bathroom. My crazy dog, he won't go to the bathroom. He holds it. Separation anxiety makes us do crazy things. And that is the world's problem, whether they know it or not. Secondly, God is always with us, and He's always with us. Here's the contradiction, though. I know I have no problem believing God is with me when everything is great. Of course God's with me. That's why I know He's with me, because everything's great. How about when everything isn't great? He's still near. He's still close. He's still with you, just like the prodigal son. He was feeding pigs. He didn't know anywhere where God was. But God was always with him. From his heart, from his thoughts, from everything. But God is always with us, even in our pain and suffering. And even that, we have the promises of God. We have the promises of God to sustain us and keep us and help us and grace us and empower us and strengthen us and encourage us and all of that during times of pain, even with pain, with every piece of pain comes the grace of God comes with God being with us. Is His presence enough? If you believe it, it is. Because He's more than enough. He really is. If He's in the boat, how many times the disciples got rebuked during a storm in a boat? He goes to sleep. 
They don't believe his nearness is enough. They're crying out. They're shaking him awake. Don't you care? We're going to perish. You've got God with you. How can you believe that? God is with you. Isaiah 43, 2. You notice it says, when you go through deep waters, no one's exempt. Everybody learns to swim. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you, God says. When you go through rivers of difficulty, <laughs> I'm going to get rivers of difficulty? Thank you very much. But you will not drown. You will swim. But when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Oh, we've learned this stuff in Sunday school. How come we can't believe it for our own selves when we're in that lion's den? It worked for Daniel. He closed the, the mouths of the lion, the hungry lions, the starving lions. God's got you. He's got you. Why? Why does he have you? Because he's near. He's there. Even in that. I love the nearness of the father. I, as a father, I've loved to be close to my kids, especially when they were going through difficult times. My son at 18 months old, a toddler, just a little toddler walking around. The kid's born in church. And he's toddling around before a Wednesday night service. And we had altar rails up here that were wooden altar rails that had nice sharp corners on them. It was a wonderful altar. It was a beautiful altar. We loved to go to that altar. So did my 18-month-old. He's toddling up toward that altar, and all of a sudden, sure enough, he caught his toe on the carpet right in front of the altar, and he went forward, his head went forward, it hit that sharp edge of the altar right there, hit him right there on the forehead, and down he goes. And by the time I get to him, I turn him over, he's got blood covering his face. I mean gushing out. This, you know, a head wound? I mean blood is just gushing out. And I grab him up and I take him into the back, I, we're going into the restroom, I'm, I'm trying to get that blood off, you know, and I'm holding pressure on it. And, and by then, he's crying. He's upset. But he's not as upset as he's going to get later. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we get him to the hospital. We get him into the doctor. And you know what happens. They've got to put several stitches in there. I mean, he's just laid open up there. He's still got a scar. He's 43 years old and he's still got a scar there. And he's, he's marked at the altar for life. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you the hard part, and I'm telling you the story because of the nearness of the Father. Because I had to be with him. I wanted to be with him. I needed to be with him. I get them in there, and I don't know what, how, how they're going to do it. How are you going to hold an 18-month-old? How are you going to hold them still? 
They lay them down. They have this contraption like a papoose thing, like a straight jacket. And they wrap him up and his arms are down at his side and the head goes back in a little hooded thing. And there he is. And now he's laying there and he's looking up at me and I'm out over him like that. And I mean, by then he's upset. He's not just hurting and crying. He's screaming angry. He is mad as you know what. He's looking at me like, what are you doing to me? Of course, they had to stitch him up. I'm saying all this to say that no matter what, the Father is right there with you, and you're getting something that you need to have. And the Father knows you need it. And there's no option out of it. But the beauty of it is, He's not going to leave you. I'd rather have Him with me than not with me. God promises. I do like Isaiah 41.10. You won't have it on the slide. It's in the Passion. It says, Do not yield to fear. For I am always near. Yeah, go ahead and write that one down. Isaiah 41.10 in the Passion. Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. The rest of it says, Never turn your gaze from me, for I am your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength. And help you in every situation. I will hold you firmly with my victorious right hand. So I know. I know this room is full of people that we go through pain. We go through suffering. We go times of trial and loss and disappointment and illness and all kinds of suffering. And I know sometimes we say, God, oh God. Where are you? And if he would answer you audibly, he would say, I'm right here. I've never left. And Jesus would echo those words to the disciples when he'd give the great commission. Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And behold, I will be with you. I will... I will be with you always. God seems to know that we always need this subtle reassurance that he is with us. That he's always with us. Where does he get that? Because that's the Father's heart. The Father's heart always speaks and says, I'm here and I've got you. Because the Father makes us feel secure. I'm going to go on to, he's looking forward to relationship with you. He's looking forward to relationship with you. He, just like that prodigal son's father. We think we're waiting for him and he's always waiting for you. We think 
we're pursuing him and he's always pursuing you because he wants to be with you. Even in times of suffering, if anything, he even can seem to draw closer when we're in that place. 1 John 1.3, Scripture says, Truly, our fellowship, our relationship is with the Father. I've lived long enough that I've seen moves of God and emphases, emphases in the church. You know, we'll emphasize the Holy Spirit. We'll emphasize Jesus. I mean, we've even had moves of God. Like the Jesus people movement. Of course, that was all about Jesus. And then even back in the 90s, when we had, some would be familiar with the Toronto blessing. What was the Toronto blessing known for? The Toronto blessing was known for the Father's blessing. We've had moves of the Holy Spirit, 1906, 1948. 19, I'm still waiting for another one. You know, <laughs> we've, we've had all these moves of God, and yet it's all, of, all of it is about our full revelation of who the Father is in our life. That He is a good, how much we have sung it, through the years, these previous years, he is a good, good father. Who am I? Who am I? I'm loved by him. Even as much as we sing that, I wonder if we've really had some healing of these father's wounds. These particular lies that we have hung on to or perceptions that just aren't accurate, aren't true about our Father. That He's got you and He's with you and He loves you and He's in it for the long haul. Because I think sometimes we still think He'll love me until He'll love me until this. Will he love me even with this? Will he be near even with this? And I will say emphatically, absolutely. You know, when we look at a Romans 8 which is probably, somebody asked me, I hate this question, but somebody will ask me, Pastor, what's your favorite book of the Bible? Pastor, what's your favorite verse? Pastor, what's your favorite chapter of the Bible? Well, I can honestly say, I, I'm not as annoyed as I used to be. 
because part of it is I think I have settled in my heart that I do have a favorite chapter, at least a chapter. And it's Romans 8. Because, man, that's just, that baby's packed. In fact, I, I'm envious of people. I knew one person that had that whole chapter memorized, and I just, I thought, oh, that's a chapter. If I was going to memorize a chapter of the Bible, that's the chapter I would want. But when it gets to the end, and we love this, what shall separate me? What shall separate? Separation anxiety? What shall separate me from the love of God? Shall it be this? Shall it be that? Shall it be this? Shall it be that? Nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate me. This is the way I preach this. There's only one thing. The one thing that will separate you from God. And that will be you. Because he's not going anywhere. He will follow you no matter where you go. You can't hide. Psalm 139, you can't hide. Psalm 139 says... You can't go anywhere he's not. But we will still try to make ourselves feel separated from God. Because you want to do what you want to do. Or you want to say what you want to say. You know know that's true because... Have you ever noticed how you will talk differently in front of other people? As opposed to being alone? I almost hated it as a teenager, you know. My mom would always say, you know, Jesus is always in the back seat. He's always in the back seat. You know, if you really know that and believe that, you will act differently. Nothing can separate you except you. It's we like sheep have gone astray. God never goes astray. Right? He's always there. So how do we grow in this? Write down Psalm 22. We're not going to go to that slide. But write it down and I want you to notice some things there. I'll just give you a little coaching on what to look for in this. This is an interesting psalm. It's a prophetic psalm of Jesus on the cross. It's actually a messianic prophecy of Psalm 22 of Jesus and his suffering and then going to the cross. But again, a psalm that David had revelation, prophetic revelation of everything that Jesus would go through. going through this and feeling separation anxiety. Yes, even Jesus felt separation anxiety. And it was when he was on the cross. 
It was the only time that he felt it. And what I love about it is, do you realize Jesus even had to come under separation anxiety so you and I would not have to suffer from separation anxiety. That's the great exchange. The exchange of separation anxiety for fully knowing that God is present with you all the time. That he hasn't left you. But the beauty of that psalm is that it says David was saying exactly how he felt. So what I would say is, you want to draw closer to the Father? Be honest. Talk to Him. Be bold with Him. Really open up and share everything you're feeling, everything you're thinking, everything you're believing. But you don't stay there. Because when you look at the rhythm and the, and the, the movement here of Psalm 22, he speaks about what he feels, and then he speaks about what he knows to be true. He voices both pain and praise. You voice your pain, and you voice the praise of God. All right, I'm not going to go by this with verse by verse, but I'll give you the first two. For example, verse 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you left me? You seem too far away to save me, too far to hear my cries for help. My God, I kept calling by day and I was not silent at night, but you did not answer me. Is that pain or what? Is that feeling separation anxiety? You better believe it. But see, the beauty, of, the beauty of David that we love about him, he is so open and gutsy and honest and he just lays it out. But he doesn't ever stay there. He turns it around and he said, but he turns it back to praise. He just communicated his pain and now here's his praise God, you are the Holy One. You sit as king upon the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted you. Yes, they trusted you and you saved them. They called to you for help and escaped their enemies. They trusted you and you were not disappointed. So here it is. We get our pain out but make sure you get the truth in. You want to draw near? You want to feel closer to the Father? It's okay to be honest. It's okay to spill your guts. Good grief. I, Jen and I have gone through deliverance sessions with some young millennials at times. And I can't believe what comes out of their mouth when you tell them to be honest with God. Man, they'll, they'll let some stuff out. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with four-letter words being said at God. But they do it. But they have to do that. Yeah, I believe they do. I believe they have to do that to get to where they need to go. They get all that crap out. Yeah, I said crap. Get all that crap out 
so that he can get the truth and the goodness of God inside. They go through the pain, the pain, the pain, and then it gets turned back to praise. God is always inviting us to share our pain with him. So here's the deal. I think you've got some slides here. It's a good exercise. You can do some self-deliverance on yourself. (laughs) Read through the psalm. Read it out loud. Make it personal. And then pause and listen to the voice of the Father what he might say to you. Can he handle it? Can he handle the truth? It's not like a few good men, right? Or like, you can't handle the truth. Our Father can handle the truth. Can you handle the truth? God invites us. He invites us. He wants to be invited into your pain. Why? Why does he want to do that? Because he wants to be closer. Because when you hold on to the pain, you can't be as close to the Father as you want to be. You let go of the pain. You enter into that. And that invites him to come in and heal. Go with me, would you, in prayer? Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. Holy Spirit might surprise you and reveal something that you did not know was a hindrance, an obstacle, a father wound, a wall, something to hold back the nearness that you want to feel to the Father. Father, come in. Come in right now. We draw near to you, Father, and your word says if we draw near to you, you're drawing near to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Father God. Come and bring healing, bring clarity, bring newness. take a moment if there's anyone here that maybe you've never accepted the Lord Jesus into your life. You never thought it was possible to actually know God. To know Him personally. To know Him intimately. To know Him as He knows you. And I'm telling you, it is possible. It is possible through our faith, our acceptance, our reception 
of the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts, into our lives as our personal Savior. Our personal Savior and Lord. So if you're hearing my voice and you would like to accept Christ and you, you feel compelled in your heart, I want to know God. I want to know the Lord Jesus. I want to be different. I don't want to be separated. I don't want to succumb to anxiety and stress by trying to go this life alone. I don't have to walk alone. I don't want to do it. So I receive right now. Just pray with me now, Lord Jesus. I open my heart to you right now. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I don't want to walk alone anymore. I want you to be near to me. And I want to be near to you. I say yes to you. I accept you into my life. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead and I am a child of yours through the blood of Jesus and through my faith right now. anyone in the room that's prayed that prayer for the first time or second time or third time, whatever it might be. But we'd like to know about it. Fill out the card. Just walk up to us after the service. Let us know. If you're seeing this online, then by all means, give us a call. Come and see us on Sunday. We love you. Glad that you're here. God bless. Thank you for listening to our Gateway Sermon Podcast at our Gateway City Church, Clovis Campus. We'll be releasing a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.